0: Today we are continuing our our four-part series on the church and its goals, particularly looking at our church, King's Community Church, and the goals that we feel God's given us. Um, You should have received one of these little bookmarks either last week or this week. If you haven't, there should be some of the information later. It's just a reminder of what we've got going on one side. You've got our vision and our goals, and then on the other side is also our goals in case you missed them on the other side. A couple of years ago, beginning of January last year, um, God spoke to us as elders that he wanted us to be a church that were the three I's, influential, integrated and international. And at the time we thought maybe it's just for kind of a year, kind of helping us to focus. But as we've gone through that, he's just kept speaking to us and speaking to us more and more. And so what we're looking at over these next three weeks is we're unpacking those three I's, what it means. And today we're looking at the subject of influential. As a church, we're called to be influential. We're called to be integrated. We're called to be international. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And uh, very much so that God has been emphasising to us the importance of us being called to have an impact, to have an influence, to change the communities that we're working with. We're not just here to be in a holy bubble, a holy club. We're here to equip people to go out and have an influence. For myself, I've been on a journey. um, God's been talking to me about being influential over the last year or so. There's been kind of different contexts I've been in. I've been along to different conferences, hearing talks, reading books. In my own quiet times, God's just kept saying, come on, this is what we're about. We're called to be out there. We're not just called to be hidden away. We're called to be out there. So I'm very much on a journey myself. I'm learning things. I'm not an expert by any means, but it's something that I'm increasingly passionate about. I wouldn't say that I've ever had the label evangelist before, nor do I yet have one of those. But I'm just someone who's speaking as someone who loves people and wants to see God move in their lives. Now if that ends up me being an evangelist one day, so be it. But I, I just love people and I want to see God's Work in their lives, I want to see him glorified, and I hope you feel the same. Well, on the area of influential, we kind of thought, well, what does this mean? So we broke it down into four areas um, that should be coming up on the screen behind to be reaching out to the community around us, to express the life changing power of God in salvation, to see people saved and added to the church, and to influence the culture of the community in every possible way. So those are kind of our our sub-goals, if you like, in part of being influential. And they will continue to be a prompt for us in different contexts when we're thinking about how do we go forward. It helps to shape us and helps us to decide, okay, what are we doing already that's influential and what could we still be doing? And those questions, I hope, are ones that we will continue to ask regularly, kind of on a whole church level, in our group life and individually. So I want to answer two questions this morning on being influential. First of all, why should we be influential? And secondly, how do we be influential? First of all, why? Why should we be influential? And why can we be influential? Well, first of all, because of what God has done. We've been singing about it already this morning and singing about who he is. What God has done forms the basis for everything we do as Christians, not just being influential, but everything. That is our bedrock. It doesn't come from what we've done. It comes from what God has already done. He has shown us great love. He is the one who came with a rescue plan. He took initiative. He was the one who sought to influence first. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We have been adopted into his family. we just finished a series on looking who we are in Christ, in him. We are adopted. We are members of the family. He has already made us children. He has done that for us. Later in 1 John, it goes on to say in chapter 4, verse 19, We love because he first loved us. So we can be influential and why we should be influential is because he first loved us. He's, he's already done the loving towards us and we then are able to love others. He has done and continues to do amazing things for us. He created, he came, he conquered, he sustains every single breath like we were hearing from Tom and, and Glenn earlier, how he holds things together. He died for us and he rose again. Surely when we consider these amazing things, it should motivate us. Motivate us out of a gratefulness to God for what he's done and also a desire to tell other people the good news that we know. We have got amazing news. Yesterday on this uh, Jubilee Plus conference that's been mentioned already, one of the speakers said, everywhere we go, we want to reflect Christ-like response to everything we encounter. That should be our attitude. We should be about the Father's business and everything we do. We want to tell people this good news. So because of what he's already done, we should be seeking to be influential and telling other people too. Looking at what he's done and who he is also shows we can be influential. So it's not just that we should be, but we can be. When God speaks, things happen. He has authority. And we are in him He has given us his authority. We can all influence others. It's not about one or two of us. All of us can influence other people. We are all called to be influential. We have God's power in us. As it says in Ephesians, this power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's the power in each one of us. If you are a Christian today, you have God's power. You have his authority. You can have influence. So, we should be influential because of what he's done. We can be influential because of what he's done. We should also be influential because of what he has said. And God speaks many, many times in his scripture about getting out there, proclaiming who he is and what he's done. It comes up throughout the Old and the New Testament in all sorts of different contexts. Proclaim it to every nation, every generation. Proclaim and demonstrate God's love, his power. Serve the poor. Get out there and do things. It's full of such commands and exhortations. I just want to quickly consider two of the more commonly quoted ones. First of all, Matthew 513 to 16. A very famous passage about being salt and light. It says this. You are the salt of the earth. that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Very famous passage. Each one of those components, the salt and the light, they're essential for what they they are used for. Each is essential, but has its necessary effect on its environment only if both are distinctive from it and yet involved in it. Okay? Salt has to be distinctive. You have to be able to taste it. It has to be able to have an impact in order to do do its job. Salt is added to food, either as a preservative to make it last, or to give it flavor. And both of those images work for what Jesus was saying here. To be any good and its job, it must work its way through the whole food, whatever it might be in order to preserve that food or to make it taste better. It must be mixed, out, mixed throughout it. But it also must maintain its saltiness. Otherwise, what's the point of putting it in there? Which is what this scripture is saying. Likewise, we need to make sure we're about our communities. We need to be mixed throughout it. We need to be bringing the flavour of God and the, the, the preserving power of God, if you like, into every situation. But we must maintain our saltiness in that. It's no good. I'm so in with my culture and my community that we're not distinct from them any longer. So in order to have the impact, we've got to be out there mixed with it, but we've still got to maintain our Christian distinctiveness. And as light, I was thinking about this morning, I was up quite early. I don't relish getting up early, but I was up early this morning. Um, as, As the dawn happened, really, the sun wasn't even up. And yet, even without the sun being up, there was light beginning to come. It just begins to creep. And you only need a smaller amount of light to make the darkness go. It's amazing, isn't it? You only need a tiny candlelight at night, and it fills the whole room. It enables people to see. However, if we hide that light away, if we put a cover over it, it's not going to be able to do its job of lighting up the room. This is what this passage is saying here. You don't light a lamp and then put a bowl over it. What's the point of lighting the lamp then? You put it on a stand so that it can fill the room rather than hiding it behind the sofa or putting it in a cupboard. Jesus is instructing us in this passage to get on out there, to mix with our communities, be distinctive and yet involved, and not to hide away, but to shine. We are the light of the world. He's given us light to shine. And it's for the Father's glory. That's what it says at that last verse. It's not to, for our good works to show the Father's glory. So we're called to be salt and light, to be distinctive and involved, not to hide away. Another famous passage, probably one of the most famous instructions recorded in the New Testament Matthew 28. 18 to 20, generally referred to as the Great Commission, says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Very famous instructions. Go and tell people about my good news. Go and tell them. Get out there. So yes, we need to be, and we need to be acting, and we need to be showing love, but there does come a place where we need to be out there telling people. Go and make converts. No. He goes, there's so much more than that. It's not just about, yes, we want to get people saved, but he says, make disciples Baptizing them, a symbol of becoming part of the community, the family, teaching them, investing in people. He wants us to really get involved with people. Not just sort of a one hit, He wants us to get involved, invest, make a real difference in people's lives. That's what Jesus did. He got involved. And the great news is this promise, one of the best promises ever, I think, in the Bible. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. As we go out, as we proclaim his truth, he says he will be with us. Now, for some of us, the idea of talking to people is scary. It's way out of where we want to be, where we wouldn't actually feel comfortable. I'm in that. I don't find it easy talking to complete strangers about anything. But he says, I'll be with you. As you do this, I will be with you. The one who has all authority and power is going to be right alongside you. That's great. So we should be influential. We should be out there making a difference because he said it, because of what he's done and because of what he said. But I think we also need to do it because there's a need. You know, you don't need to look very far on the news or listen to very much on the radio, the headlines are horrific. You know, even in the last few days, there's stuff on there that just shocks and stuns us. We think of little Amber. We think of men taking advantage of young girls. The looting of flooded shops, riots, family breakdown, dishonest banking corrupt governments, war, slavery. It goes on and on and on. We're in a world that's dark. There's lots of stuff that is horrible. And we need to shine our light into that darkness. We we are containers of hope. We have such a message of hope. We know God's plan. We know his salvation plan. We know where we're going. Most of the people we meet at work, on the streets, they have nothing. Yeah, they try and get a great job, or they they try and make loads of money, They invest all their time into their family, or into a hobby. But then what? It's hopeless, isn't it? There's so much hopelessness. You walk down Hatfield High Street, it's just hopeless. We are the containers of hope. We need to take that hope out to people. There is such a need. So we need to be influential because of what God has done, because of what he's said, and because there's a need. So how do we go about doing that? I want to get practical this morning. And I, uh, I think we need, can be uh, influential in two ways. We need to be stirred, and then we need to take action. So first of all, I want to stir you this morning. I want you to be stirred. I want to say, wake up, O sleeper, as much to me as to some of you, because God's certainly been waking me up to this, opening my eyes to the need and the commission that he's called us to. It's not good enough for us just to come and enjoy our times together, and I hope you do enjoy our times together. But church isn't all about just coming together and encouraging one another. It's encouraging one another so we can then do the rest of the week as well. Bishop Graham uh, Cray, recently in Christianity magazine, was writing about the, the way we need to refocus as church to be missional, to be looking outwards and being out there. And he says, the church's purpose is not to be a whirlpool drawing people into another world, but a launch pad equipping each member for whole life discipleship. One of the primary purposes of Church Gathered is to sustain us for Church Scattered, the mission and ministry of our daily lives. So the idea that when we come together on a Sunday or in our midweek groups and gather, it's so that we can be equipped, encouraged and spurred on for when we're scattered back out again. We need to refocus. And I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone else. I want to stir you, commission you, mobilize you today to be influential. So how do we actually go about stirring ourselves? Well, first and foremost, we need to ask God. Some of us, God's already given us a natural passion. We want to be out there. We're not actually comfortable sitting around a load of Christians. We want to be out there proclaiming God's news. For a lot of us, however, we find it difficult. We need to ask God, give me compassion, Lord. Give me courage. Give me opportunities. Ask him to help you see other people, how he sees them. Ask him to show you them as lost, hurting, fearful sheep without a shepherd. That's the way Jesus described people when he saw them. He said they're like a sheep without a shepherd. We can see that in society. We can see it all around. People are just aimlessly wandering around. Ask God to open your eyes to how things really are. Secondly, I'd encourage you to read. Read the Bible. Read what God's plan is. Get yourself full of it. Fill your mind with these things, these truths. Remind yourselves of prophecies that we've had as a church, as a nation, as individuals. Remind yourselves of these things. God's got mighty plans. He wants a people from every nation. Read books. I'll flag it up again. We're going to keep flagging it until we've sold them all. And we need to get some more. Irresistible Church by Wayne Cordero. David mentioned it last week. It's, it's a book that stirs you. This is one of the books on my journey of God stirring me. Fill your mind and your heart. Get truth into you. What is God's plan? And get in line with it. Listen to talks. There's another way of stirring yourselves. Go along to conferences. And New Frontiers run a range of conferences that are there to kind of inspire Back like in March with the Everything Conference. Fantastic ways of people reaching out in all sorts of different life contexts, tackling some of those mountains of culture, like education and politics, the arts and media, all sorts of key areas of society. People are at work and it's inspiring to hear them. You can get the talks on, on the Everything Conference website. If you just search for it, you'll, you'll see it there. All sorts of videos to inspire and encourage. Mobilise this year, the New Frontiers Conference for, for people students in twenties. The whole focus was on being missional. Eight main sessions. Missional church, missional me. Very, very inspiring. Again, Mobilise UK, if you Google that, you'll find amazing talks. Even if you were there, listen to them again. Get it back in there. Fire you know, some of you came back so fired up. Where's the fire gone? We need to keep stirring ourselves. We need to keep in line with what God's calling us to do. Because life comes in, doesn't it? And we get caught up in all sorts of things. Jubilee Plus Conference yesterday. Churches that change communities. Great, great day. I've asked some of the people that were there if they can just come and uh, share a few highlights. Because... Now, we couldn't all be there. We had seven from our church there, which is probably more than most other churches, actually. It was a big turnout. All sorts of different, particularly social action programs and projects that churches around the country are involved in. Very, very inspiring. Daunting as well. You think, where do we start? But lots of practical advice. So I wonder if if some of those people, perhaps Rose and a few others, can come and share some of the highlights from that to stir you.
1: I don't want to repeat anything Don's already said, but I'll just share two of the workshops I went to. One was on employment and worklessness. And he said, work is in our DNA. So anyone who's unemployed, the sense of rejection, despair that goes through their minds. And we as a church can't ignore that. And he said, immediately, we've got to step in. And in a sense, put the plaster on. There's short-term things and then you're in for the long-term as well. But there's an immediate plaster that can go on. And that's something in the church we can do. And then I think as a church, we take, have an excuse that we're small and we've got no premises. And there was one leader there when his church was a church plant. They felt God was saying that they were to start a job club. Literally, as they started being a church plant, God said, start a job club for these people who are unemployed. And they didn't have premises. So they went to the Harlequin Rugby Club and said, could we use your premises on a Monday morning for an hour and a half? And they said, yes. And they said, we'll give you free tea and coffee as well. You don't have to pay for anything. And I just felt, as a church, have we looked at areas around, buildings around? Are there areas we can use? And say so we'd like to start this. Could we use your premises and see what happens? They might say no, but they might say yes. And that was really inspiring. This was one man for about two hours a week runs this club. Not loads of people involved, just one person. Then also went to education and education failure. And here, um, a group of people have started up a programme which is going into primary schools. There are 370,000 fixed exclusions in a year, 37,000 from primary schools. And he said, if we can get into the primary schools as churches, work one-to-one with behaviour management, we can change society. And there's a program out there. It's run by TLG. I haven't got a clue what that stands for. But they've organized this program. They train volunteers to go in for one hour, once a week, into schools. They're all people from churches. And the schools are thrilled with it. And you run this program. You get in contact with the parents and the teachers. And it's changing kids' lives. And... Again, an amazing thing, he says people are asking their employers, can I have two hours off work so I can do this? And employers are saying, yes. I mean, isn't that amazing that they can see there's value in society here and just people giving up a couple of hours and doing this? And he said that leads on to organising dads' and sons' events, parenting coursing, marriage courses. He says it just opens up so many avenues. So there's two things. I'm thinking, cool, yeah, <laughs> let's get involved in both, Lord. But others went to other seminars, and I'm sure they'd want to say exactly the same.
2: Thanks. Thanks. I'll be quick. I went to one on politics, um, a seminar on politics. Um, I just want to ask a couple of questions. Who here thinks they're influential in politics? And everyone look around Oh. Okay, who here is a member of a political party? Look around. Look around, everyone. No, no one. No one here is a part of a political party, a member even. Who here has written to their MP? Look around. Who here voted in the last general election? Okay, we're influential on so many different levels in politics when actually politicians do affect a lot of what we do in this country and actually uh, if we as a group get behind an issue we can actually we can vote that's one thing we can do every four and a bit years or whenever the government decide when they're going to vote but we can also write to our mp and who knows who their mp is in this in this area well in hatfield shout his name out grant, grant, grant shaps do you know who he is what his role is in 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 government he's the yeah he's the chairman of the conservative party we have the chairman of the ruling party sitting in an office that's just over the way from our offices and how can we be influential well every friday if you're around in an afternoon and there's an issue that you want to chat with him he has an open forum where you can just go knock on the door and as long as there's not too many people there he will talk with you and you can talk things through so if you think you don't, you can't be influential. We can because we can actually go and talk to our politician. We can talk to the chairman of the ruling party in this country. Just think about that. When you, when you go, ah, oh, the government are doing this, rah rah rah. That's not going to get you anywhere, is it? He's over there. You know, he's I don't know how many in line to the, the the Conservative throne. <laughs> but you know what I mean. He is there, and we are lucky to have him. There, whether you you know you like the Conservatives or not, he's there. Mm. So yeah, use him.
3: I thought I was going to be the only one in notices, um, talked about um, the, the um conference yesterday. Um, so I did a general um, overview of it, but I'm not going to do that now because, no, <laughs> um, we've been asked to speak about um the one. One or meeting with. Okay. Anyway, I went to the um, the care the caring of ex um, offenders, and um, the thing that um, struck me um, was that a lot of work um, by Christians happen in prisons. They help with education. They help with visiting. They help with writing to them. They help with. Um, Courses, anger management, drug counselling, and they also help. A prison fellowship helps with the course that I'm involved in, um, um, the victim awareness course called The Sycamore Tree, based on Luke 19, Zacchaeus. Um, So they get all this Christian input, and often when they come out of prison and they might go to a church, they're often rejected. And what does that say about the Christian church? So I just pray that we will be a church that will welcome people in. Um, I just love this morning's worship. I love all the scripture that's been read out today. And what also um, Dom's mentioned this morning in his preach, um, that God's word is so influential. Yeah. And I just leave you with reading Matthew 25, 34 to 40, about, about what Jesus asks yeah. us to do. Yeah.
2: Louise is sitting down there. She asked me to bring up this, this point. As a church, um, we, have a, we have a leader, um, Dave Rigby. He's actually on holiday at the moment, I believe. Um... Hopefully he's enjoying himself and they're enjoying themselves. But he can't do everything. He can't set up in our church new programs to do everything. He's gotten a lot on his plate. You know, look around you. We've got, you know, church to run, things to do, people to, he's got people to see. He can't be setting up new social programs that will see people go out there into our communities and be salt and light like Don was talking about. So there should almost be that in the conference, they were talking about healthy tension. We should, in our church, have people that have passions to do things, to do things in our society that are going to David and going, I want to do this. I want to do this. And he's saying, I can't do this. You do this. You know, there should be that. And, you know, if you have a passion for something, you know, you should be asking David, can I do this? Can we as a church get behind this? there should be a healthy tension there and if there's not there's a problem with that because either we are either not doing enough the guy said or david's doing everything or the leadership are doing everything and they'll just get worn out from organizing different programs of here and everywhere so we need to step up and do things another thing is the fact that there are other churches out there oh wow and they do things social things social actions that we need to know about if you have a passion about something you can talk to david and he may say or dom or whoever they may say oh there's another church they're doing something there's a gateway club tom you you've been to gateway club that's a club for um disabled children adults well i think it's just adults isn't it tom and that meets in hatfield so if you have a passion for that you can go along to that ask tom there we go social action there so yeah just be reminded that we can do things
4: Yeah, mine's a bit different. Um, as well as all the seminars and the speakers, we had two powerful times of worship, <clears throat> one in the morning, one in the afternoon, led by Dave Fellingham. And um, during the second one in the afternoon, I had a, uh, what for me was a powerful picture. And I felt I was taken up to the great throne room in heaven. And there was God sitting in glory on his throne and Jesus to his right. And at the bottom of the steps in front of them were two gold, big gold caskets uh, studded with jewels on the outside and the lids were open and on one was a sign, the one to the left of God um, said, um, please take and the sign on the other one to the, his right said, please give and I saw a great queue of people going up to the casket that said, please take and I saw people taking um, grace, they were taking mercy, they were taking provision, and they were taking giftings. And what was amazing about it, though, no matter how many people came up and took from that casket, it was never empty. And then I looked at the other casket, and people were bringing their worship, they were bringing their time, they were bringing their talents, and they were bringing their treasure. And again, the amazing thing was, the casket was never filled. Filled, And as I stood sort of watching over this, I suddenly realized that there was an enormous queue um, taking from the one casket. But the number of people giving and putting into the other one was much, much, uh, many, many fewer. And I got so indignant about this. <laughs> and I stood there and I, said, I yelled out, hey, for goodness sake, guys, You've got to give as much as you take. And all of a sudden, I heard a voice from the throne directed at me saying, and what's your balance? And that really sort of cut me in half. And I've sort of been thinking about it since. So I leave you with that this morning. What is your balance between giving uh, uh, to God, back to God, and what um, we're taking um, from God? Mm. Thank you. If you instead
0: mm. Okay. Fourth way I suggest that we need to stir ourselves is by walking the streets. Make a point of meeting people. Go out where people are. It sounds obvious, but how often do we do that? We need to get involved in people's lives rather than expecting them to get involved in ours. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. We have to get out of our comfort zone. Don't like that, do we? We like to be where it's safe, routines that we know, people we know. But remember, we've got Jesus with us. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And actually, Jesus thankfully stepped out of his comfort zone to come and die for us. It's easy to hide away. Let's ask God for strength, let's walk the streets. Let's get out where people are. What good is light hidden away? Are we able to play the video? That would be wonderful. Thank you. We've seen this before, but I, uh, if you have seen it before, I make no apology at all because I think it's absolutely phenomenal. It's a brilliant video uh, about church uh, in Peckham and what they're doing to influence their society. We it was shown at the Everything Conference and we showed it in groups a few months ago. I just want to show it to you again to stir you
5: Packham's colourful in every sense of the word. You walk down one street and you can find yourself any mobile phone accessory known to man, a yam and a chicken. You turn around the next corner, you've got a selection of fancy restaurants, gastropubs, and this year, Frank's Bar opened up on a top of the multi-storey car park, and Time Out said it was the must-thing-do of the summer.
1: Packham was a really great place to live. It had a great community spirit. There's a great diversity of people from different countries and different communities.
5: There are a hundred different languages spoken within the kind of area. And I love the fact that it is incredibly ethnic diverse. It's one of the few places that you can go and buy a goat, have your mobile phone unlocked and buy some plantain all in the same shop.
6: I've lived in Peckham for just over three years. I came here to study
4: painting at the Camberwell College of Art. I decided to stay in Peckham because I just grew to love it because I've been here for so long and I pray for it and that makes you love it.
1: We chose to move to Peckham because there were already a few couples from church here and uh, we really wanted a community where we could get stuck in.
5: There's now quite a group of us who have come to live in this area for all sorts of different reasons and have found a really strong community here and found a place that we really care about We want to invest in, not just take from, not just to be consumers. We actually want to serve the community and get involved and give something back. I think it's really important that Christians base themselves and root themselves in a community. Um, I moved here about eight years ago. and My fiancé is now going to be moving here as well when we get married. And our plans are to stay long term in the area. Um, As a result, we've bought a house. Uh, We've also got a space which we've rented out for um, a local business to run a bike shop in. And I think it's really important that people stay in an area and focus on what they can do locally.
4: I think there's a real unity among the people because everyone understands that it's not really a great area and a lot of bad things have happened, so we just try and work together to make it a better place.
1: There's quite a lot of poverty in Peckham, um, often hidden poverty. There's also high rates of unemployment and that's particularly a problem with young people
4: and we believe that god really wants to transform peckham for the better we we can see peckham in 10 years time being a a vibrant community where where poverty is just you know eradicated where the schools don't have the reputations they have now where there's you know the art scene continues to flourish and, and people are just connected and you know living in good community with one another that's our heart for peckham
5: i think it would be amazing to see outbreaks of the holy spirit in Cafes. i think it would be amazing that a place that was so well known for knife crime and gun crime and um, and racial violence. Everybody would come along side by side and would love each other and would love Jesus.
1: Early on, when we moved here, I became a governor of a local school, and I see that as um, enabling me to shape education in, this, in the local area and uh, shape the lives and the futures of, of local children. I'm involved in the youth offending teams. I'm a mentor. I help them to learn from their mistakes and to move on from it it's fulfilling to be able to see the changes and the impact made on those youngsters. One thing that we as a community are doing is mentoring young people from the academy at Peckham.
4: The six-week piloting programme involved uh, teaching some of the guys here that were struggling with their uh, GCSE maths and English, gave it our best shot to try and help them out before their exams.
5: I think 95% of the kids who were predicted to fail actually ended up passing um, either their maths or English GCSE. It's now been rolled out into ten schools across London with a view to sort of going national in two to three years. I think if you have Jesus at the centre and you want to be involved because you want to love people and you want to show to people that he is the way, it becomes something that is not tiring and actually it gives you energy and it gives you it gives you hope as well as other people hope. You don't have to start big. You can just start by finding out your neighbours' names or finding out the name of the guy that sells the big issue and at the end of your street. It's not about having some sort of grand plan. You can just start one person at a time.
0: Great stuff. No-one's allowed to move to Peckham, however. But we can do it here. You know, it's very real, isn't it? Very everyday things that... That people are doing and there's stories like this happening up and down the country and around the world and we have stories here that we're doing. But uh, it's great to watch it because it, it, for me at least, and I hope for you, it, it just stirs to watch things like that because it's real examples of how lives are being transformed through God's love and power going out.
7: I know this isn't very PC to interrupt on, but he's really, he's, God is really speaking to me this morning. And I have to say this to you with what I've just seen on the video. I haven't seen that video before. And when that girl said, when you pray for the place, you love it. I just can't encourage you all enough to fall in love with this place, this tatty, um, messy place that isn't anything anymore, because people have talked it down. I came here 23 years ago to get on the housing ladder, lost my house, fell off the housing ladder, ended up in council accommodation, and I've been here ever since. And when anybody asked me where I came from, I would jokingly say, oh, Hatfield, centre of the universe. Do you know what? It needs to be the centre of our universe. We need to fall in love with this place. I'm sorry. I'm so... I'm so moved by what I've seen this morning and what I've heard this morning. We have to fall in love with this place. We have to fall in love with the people here completely and utterly. I I can't express it any more than that. Mm. So please fall in love with Mm. Hatfield, with Mm. me.
0: Mm. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. We're being stirred. I just want to quickly touch on how we can take action. Um, God spoke to me a, a few months ago about a kind of a way of viewing how we can take action. And uh, it's like the circulatory system in our body. You know, blood is pump, pumped around our body from our heart, down main arteries, into the minor arteries, and then into the capillaries, to every single part of our body. And as it does, it carries all the nutrients, all the oxygen, everything required for life to every part of the body. And if, for whatever reason, you restrict the blood flow, then the part of the body below it stops getting what it needs. And it will start to die off if it's there a long time. The moment you release the block, the blood can flow again and life can be brought back to that area. And I feel that God is kind of telling us, actually, as we tackle and we think about how we can be influential, it's kind of those three levels... The main arteries, the minor arteries, and the capillaries, and we're called to bring life. So if you like, the main arteries are our whole church things. What do we do as a whole church? The minor arteries are what are we doing in our groups, in our community groups? And then in the capillaries, what are we doing in our ones and twos? What are we doing personally to influence? So I just want to flag up some of the stuff we're doing. As a church, we're involved in a range of different things, social action projects like Cornerstone, our depth and budgeting um, advice that's been running now for a few years. It'd be great to see that grow even more. Louise heads up the team and it'd be great to see more clients, more people involved, more lives being changed. But it's an important thing we've got going. A few years ago when Cornerstone was in in its early years, in its infancy, there was a picture about it being like a pebble dropped into the pond and ripples going out and the ripples will continue to impact all sorts of people. So the idea that the individual client that was getting the advice, their families, their friends would then be impacted and influenced. We haven't yet seen that. We need to pray for that. You know, It's a word that God spoke. It's, we're just doing it to serve our community. So please pray for that. Pray for growth if you think you could be part of that. If you think you can promote it in any way, speak to Louise. I'm sure she'd love to have your support in that. Val's already mentioned we're involved, there's a a few people in the church that are involved in prison ministry and reaching out in that way. We um, piloted some parenting courses, parenting children courses, um, a pack that's produced um, by Relationship Central based at HTB. Uh, We piloted that with some couples in the church. We're now looking at rolling that out to our friends, kind of the school gate friends that we have, other parents of children in our classes and things. We've also got the Parenting Teenagers course that we're going to do the same thing. We're going to invite people along. And very hot off the press, we're looking at linking in with Food Bank that's being started in Hatfield, an exciting project. Um, It's been running in Welling Garden City for a few years and it's now going to be run as a branch. And we're going to be involved in that as much as we possibly can. Initially, you can donate food, okay? And we're going to have a box at church every week. Here it is. We'll also have one at the office in case you're ever there and you want to drop things in. They need non-perishable items, tin food, dried food. It, food Bank is a, a network of uh, f- facilities across the country aimed at giving emergency crisis relief, for three-day uh, supply of food to people who actually cannot afford any food, people who are in food poverty. They can't actually afford food. So the people where mums are having to choose not to eat themselves so their children can eat. It's that sort of situation. And it's all sorts of people who require it, but it's an amazing opening, you know. And like Rose was saying, how one thing can lead to another. The food banks are up and running around the country. They find it then leads to other people, other things that people need. And so yes, it's kind of a band aid. It's the immediate plaster for that particular need, but it then helps us have an opening to the longer term things. So we're looking at linking in with that. We're going to be one of the authorised kind of bodies in the area that can issue vouchers for people in need as well. So we're going to be supporting it in that way and uh, hope to update you more as more comes up. But it's just hot off the press. It started last Tuesday and it will actually be running every Tuesday um, in the church that meets above Iceland on the high street in Hatfield. So we're involved in social action. There's more that we could be doing. Definitely more we could be doing. We'll be doing the Operation Christmas Child again and more details about that coming soon. There's so much more we could do. We're just scraping the surface. We run events. We've got baptisms coming up. You can invite people along. Please do. There'll be a free lunch afterwards as well. We've got our carol service, 9th of December. Get it in your diaries. Get inviting people. It's a great. People like to come to church for a carol service. It's a great opportunity. And I have to say, we do do it well. So come along. Um, We're also going to be linking up with some of the other churches in the area to do a carol singing event on the Saturday, the 15th of December, outside of space in the town centre. Um, so that's another thing that we're just going to be there, and again, working together with other churches, which is really exciting. Raising the profile of the church, that's part of us being influential. Many people don't even know we're here, which is why we're getting out there. We went along to some of the fates and the festivals over the summer, Kaleidoscope and things like that. We ran, Chris organised the games in the park, just being there, and what a great time that was, people coming along and finding out a little bit about who we are, finding out that we're relatively normal, and things like that. You know, going along to Freshers' Fair, which was a fantastic time. If we had more time, I'd tell you more about it. Speak to Iona or any of the other guys that were there, because we haven't really fed back, but it was great. We had many, many conversations with all sorts of different people, and I know some people are here from that today. But what else could we do, be doing? You know, we've, we've taken some steps to be influential. God is calling us to be more. And we'd love your ideas. As Phil said, you know, the leaders can't do it all. We'd love your ideas, and... You know, as long as it doesn't cost lots of money and, it's, and it sounds great, we'll probably say yes. But, you know, if you've got a heart for something and you think something could happen, come and talk to about us about We just want to get people out there. You know, I, wanna, I want you to know this morning you are released to get out there and be salt and light in whatever way you think you can. And, you know, please let us know so that we can support you and pray for it and get other people around you. But, you know, if you've got ideas buzzing around and if you can think, even maybe some of the stuff you've heard this morning, you think, oh, would that be great? Yeah, let's get doing it. So one level, the main arteries, what are we doing as a church? Second level, the minor arteries, bringing life out to another part of the body, is through our community groups. Our midweek groups are so important. Yes, they are important for getting to know one another, but they are key in getting out and reaching out as well. Plan activities. Make sure your community group leaders are getting you to do activities together. My group asked me, what are we going to do? Let's, let's encourage one another in this. Let's spur each other. Organise events. One group recently did a harvest festival. They invited their neighbours. It went really well. They had neighbours come out. Even neighbours that couldn't make it donated food. Unfortunately, the food bank wasn't up and running then, so it went to another, place, but another needy place, which was great. And they joined in, and it was just kind of, ended up being very natural. So plan activities. Spur each other on. Make a point of asking each other and, and encouraging one another. Who have you spoken to this week? That's sort of accountability going, but also to encourage and pray for your non-Christian friends and family together. So that's like the next level, if you like. And then the, the capillaries of the circulatory system are, what are we doing personally? How do we individually go out and bring the life and bring the hope? Well, we can pray. We can pray. We can pray. And we can pray some more. You know, we can't underestimate the power of prayer to change ourselves, as it said on that video, but to change situations. Pray for change, for God's kingdom to come, that his will will be done, that peace would reign, lives would be transformed, the sick would be healed. Let's keep praying. Let's not neglect this weapon that we've been given. You know, that's a song we used to sing about, we want to see Jesus lifted high. Every prayer a powerful weapon. We've got powerful weapons. When we pray, we can change situations. Proverbs 11, 11 says, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. How we long to see Hatfield exalted. How we long to see Garden City and St Albans exalted in a godly way. Let's get praying. Let's bless our towns so that they may be exalted. That God's kingdom and will would be done in them. We need to learn the language. If we're going to affect and bring life, we need to learn the language. Like Daniel, Daniel of the Lion's Den fame. He went about and learnt the courts the language of the court and the way it worked so that he was then able to influence it. We need to know the language of our culture. It's no good, again, being cocooned in our Christian holy bubble. We need to be out there mixing with people, learning the language so that we can engage with people effectively and well. We need to walk with integrity. I'm rushing because I know we need, to have, we need to move on. But We need to walk with integrity every situation. People watch us. People notice when we do things. It's not that we need to be perfect. In fact, actually trying to give off some sort of perfect appearance is going to be a hindrance to them. But they want to know how we handle situations. Being honest, being real, but seeking to show God through our words and actions. Things like making sure we keep our promises when we make a promise. That we avoid gossip. That we turn up for work on time. That we complete assignments to the best of our ability. Those sorts of things are messages that people will notice, actions that people will notice. Sometimes a big event influences and changes people's lives forever. And that does happen. But most of the time, the things that change us are the little nudges here and there. It's the little things that just shape us, gradually mould us and shape us. You know, we can gradually nudge and shape and influence people from those little things we do every day. It might be the the kind look or a word that we give. It might just be a smile. It might be showing that we care and value them when other people have just walked past and ignored them. It might be asking about how someone is. It's simple stuff, those little nudges that might change people's perspective of what churches and what Christians are like and fundamentally what God is like. We need to make and take opportunities as well. Andrew Wilson and his mobilized talk throughout these three questions. um, What do you think the most important thing in life is? What do you think is wrong with the world? And what is the solution? It was his way of suggesting, you know, how do you actually engage with people at a way where you're not coming in and threatening Okay. It's having questions like that as conversation starters. Once you know people a bit, you get to the point, okay, they know me a bit and they want to know about it, but what I believe there's just ways of kind of stopping and getting people thinking at a deeper level. But we need to take the opportunities God gives us, but also look at you know, what can we what can we do with this? We need to show God's love and power in whatever way we can, being ready to pray for the sick. You know, like we heard Sam saying, you know, can I pray? People are, people are generally very ready and willing to be prayed for over things. We need to take initiative in making friends, joining clubs, chatting to people at the school gate, whatever it might be. Getting out there again. PJ Smythe's talk for Mobilize called Mission on Me, which is actually the last one, is fantastic and I thoroughly recommend as homework. David seems to have started a a homework thing here, if you'd like to listen to that, or maybe in your groups this week. Missional Me, brilliant talks about 45 minutes. You can either watch it or listen to it. And he gives loads of very practical examples of ways you can get involved personally. And also he uses um, this booklet called Four Missional Tools. And we've got copies that you can use in your groups. If you're not yet part of a group, why not? Come and talk to me. Um, but in the meantime, I've got spare copies down there if you're not part of a group. Brilliant very practical kind of how you get along, how you get on and be missional and influential. And he talks about using the rhythms of your life. So, you know, we're, most of us are very busy, but he says, we'll use the things you regularly do to start having an influence. So, for example, if you go to Asda to do your shopping, make a point of looking out for the same till operator to go to each time and just get to know them a bit. I've started to do that. i met a lovely lady in Asda now that I've, I talk to regularly. and Actually, she's very easy because she normally starts talking to me as well. And she told me a few weeks ago that she was going on holiday. And so I was then able to ask her, you know, last week, how was a holiday? And, and just things like that. It's looking for opportunities. I've got to go and do the shopping anyway. So, you know, let's go and talk to the same person. Or go into the hairdressers. Pick the same person. If you go to the gym... can't imagine why anyone would want to do that. But if you go to the gym... <laughs> Go at the same time, so that because it tends to be the same sort of people. It's those sorts of things, looking for opportunities that are already in your life. But he then also says, what other new things could you start to build in? So it's very, very practical, brilliant booklet, and I'm encouraging groups this week to look at that, um, or individually. It's, it's a really good tool. Okay, so, bit of a rush at the end there, but God wants us to be influential. It's his plan. We're called to do it, because of what he's done, because of what he said, and that there's a need. We need to stir ourselves. We need to keep stirring ourselves. And then we need to take action at all three levels, whole church level, community group, and personally. We are an army. It's one of the pictures of the church. We're an army. Let's march out together in confidence in this. We have orders from the commander-in-chief. He's saying, go and take the land. And the great thing is, he's not some king that will just sit in his castle, he's right there with us as we go. I wonder if we can finish just by uh, reading uh, a very old hymn as a prayer. This is one that I I used to love singing when I was at primary school. It's based on a a prayer that St. Francis of Assisi may have uh, written. I wonder if we can stand and just say this together as we think about being influential. Make me a channel of of your peace. Okay. Make me a channel of your peace, where there is hatred, let me bring your love, where there is injury, your pardon, Lord, and where there's doubt, true faith in you. O oh, Master, grant that I may never seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace, where there's despair in life, let me bring hope, where there is darkness, only light, and where there's sadness, ever joy. Make me a channel of your peace, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, in giving to all men that we receive, and in dying that we're born to eternal life. Lord God, help us as we go from here. Help us to be salt and light wherever we go, help us to make disciples of all nations, give us strength, give us courage, give us compassion for the towns that we live in and the people that we meet, Lord, that we may truly be an influential church and truly be an influential people. We ask this in your name, amen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One last thing before we stop then.
6: Just very, very quickly. I, I just, as I've been listening to what Dom has been showing this morning, I, I just believe God is uh, saying to someone here this morning that as you've listened to what Dom has shared, you're saying, this is beyond me. This is beyond me. And I'm just reminded as well that when Jesus walked on this uh, earth, there's a story told in the Bible about how a, a, a small boy bought uh, five loaves and two fish, his lunchbox, uh, to, um, uh, when he heard that uh, there were 5,000 people around and, and uh, they were asking, Jesus said, sit down, give them something to eat, and there was only these five loaves and two fishes, you know, and the disciples of all people say, well, This isn't going to be enough, you know, even if we went into the town nearby, we haven't got enough for everyone. But Jesus took just the five loaves and the two fishes uh, that this boy had, and he multiplied it out. And I believe the the, the word that the Lord wants to speak into your heart this morning, and it's not to condemn, it's just to bring encouragement and challenge that you, uh, maybe it's just me that God is speaking to, but that, uh, that, that, uh, that for each one of us. Uh, you bring the five loaves and the two fishes. Mm. You bring your lunchbox, <laughs> as it were, to to Jesus. And uh, this morning, and just say, well, this is all I've got, Lord. Uh, mm. How could I be influential in, in politics or in sport or these ways, like other people? But just, uh, uh, just say, well, look, Lord, just please encourage me this week in some little thing, just mm. like Don was saying at the end, uh, and just to encourage to take that first step. Mm. And you do what you can, you bring to Jesus all that you are, Mm. and he will multiply Mm. it out beyond Mm. your wildest Mm. dreams. Mm. Lord, I just pray uh, for folk this morning who just feel uh, that what has been shared is beyond them. Uh, Lord, it is not beyond you at all, Lord. You just love to take the little that we have, and I pray in your name, in the name of Jesus, that you will just multiply out faith. In everyone's heart, from what Dom has been sharing this morning, uh, that would multiply out uh, the influence of the church here in Hatfield and St. Albans and Wellington City, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray uh, for a, a mighty encouragement and blessing upon everybody this week. In oh. Jesus' name, amen. 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 May God
0: bless you. Please do stay in the... Uh, for tea and coffee. We'd love to chat to you over tea and coffee. Thanks for being with us.